why is it that for the vast majority of people, it feels like they don't understand things until they either see it for themselves or it happens to them? They didn't understand racism until they saw all of these videos of people being killed. Uh, why? Maybe it's because we all tell ourselves a story. And if the world and our experiences aren't fitting into that story, we unconsciously alter them to fit. So maybe the real answer here is question everything and don't accept any of it at face value. Let's talk about that on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie. You might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and yeah, we're talking about it today. So I, I'm going to try to avoid some of the more common ways that this is discussed because they've been discussed so much that I feel like if that frame worked, it would have worked by now. So I could talk about confirmation bias, or I could talk about the sunk cost bias, or any of the other countless biases that we have talked about, discovered, and know that lead us to this place. But I'm going to make it very simple. And you know, it's kind of the premise of this podcast and of pretty much my own personal life philosophy that we don't actually experience the world. No, I'm not one of those super existentialists who believes that we construct the world as we walk through it or anything like that, but we do construct the world as we walk through it. Not really, but factually. You see, we apply layers and layers and layers of story and narrative to everything that we encounter. When you see a cat, and you know it's a cat, because the language that you're using tells you it is a cat. Maybe you have a different word because you have a different language. And that does change how you think about that animal. It does. And then you have the stories that your culture has told you about cats. I'm not going to start guessing here. I know quite a few of them. Maybe you think they're mystical creatures. Maybe you think that they're tools of the devil sent here to destroy us. Maybe you think that they're animals that you're allergic to. Whatever it is, you have a storyline attached to that species. So now we have a word, and we have a storyline. And now I have my actions. And my actions are written on a loop in the back of my head. They're often written in our unconscious, before we act them out. We know what we're going to do, often milliseconds before we consciously know what we're going to do. So, that story gets reinforced. If I had a bad experience with a cat when I was a child, then 
I might avoid all cats, which means I never have a chance to have a good experience with one, and thus I am allowed to live in my fantasy that all cats are evil. Maybe I've only had good experiences with dogs, and have only ever interacted with the dogs that I own or that are owned by my friends and family that have also been treated well, and so I believe that all dogs are bad. Now don't get worried. I'm not about to make an animal analogy to race or gender or any of that because it really doesn't work. I'm just trying to get everyone on the same page and understanding how we construct our narratives, how we construct our world. And we're not even going to get into some of the biological changes. If you're colorblind, the colors that you perceive are going to be different than the colors that I perceive. If you are a female who has the and from my point of view, glorious position of having four color rods in your eyes, you're going to see colors that I can never imagine, and in a depth that I will never see. And all of that changes how we feel about things. Do you have joint pain? Well, depending on how you answer that question, the idea of walking is going to be very different in your head. All of this mashes together into what we believe, how we act, and the story that we tell ourselves. We weave constantly throughout our lives a narrative, a story, and as new information is added, maybe the story changes. This tends to happen most when we're young, and at a certain point we stop altering it, because we stop asking questions because we're taught to stop asking questions. And so we don't believe it when someone tells us something that is outside of our experience. Think about the number of people who don't understand how beneficial vaccines are, because they grew up in a world without those diseases. I had measles when I was a kid. I don't wish that on anyone. <laughs> I don't. I also had Rice syndrome when I was a kid. And yeah, that's why they tell you not to give aspirin to people with fevers. We didn't know that back then. Yeah, it's not good. But we learn. And if you live after one of those epochs, then it can be very hard for you to understand why it is we do some of the strange things that we do. Why don't you give aspirin to somebody who has a fever? Well, how important is that vaccine anyway? I mean, I've never heard of anybody who had that disease. Because it's outside of your experience, and because it's outside of your experience, it's now outside of your narrative. So if you've lived a fairly privileged life where you've only had good interactions with the police, and I tell you that in my own life as a queer white person, that I have been sexually assaulted by the police on several occasions by the same officer back when I was younger, well then, that's outside of your experience, isn't it? And it depends on how I want to tell that story, because I was basically pressured into having sex because I was out after curfew, or I was in a park after curfew, or something like that. Yeah. Well, that is, oh, that's a bad apple. 
You see, in my narrative and my personal story, police are good and they're always good. Hmm. We had a roommate who was stealing things. And, oh, he also happened to be the son of the mayor. And so we went to the police and told them because we didn't want to be the ones that got blamed for what he was doing because, you know, we weren't the children of the mayor. And the police did nothing because he was the children of the mayor and they let him get away with credit card fraud, even though they knew that he was doing it. They actually came to the house and removed all the evidence that he had done it and presumably destroyed it. No. No, if that doesn't fit into your narrative about the world, then you have a few bad apples, a few bad apples, a, a corrupt police force. It's, it's not a systemic problem. And these are just the stories that I have in my own life. We've seen what happened to George Floyd, which is far worse than anything that's ever happened to me, because, you know, I'm still alive. We don't question the stories we tell ourselves with the regularity with which we should. We allow ourselves to believe that, well, I've learned to see the world through this lens, and so it must be the right one, and anything that causes me to question it must be wrong. And we'll find ways to excuse or alter or change the new information that's coming our way so that we can ignore it. So we don't have to alter our story. So we don't have to alter our perception of the world. And yeah, that has a lot of different names, and I'm not going to go into that, because I just want people to see what happens. And so we don't believe black people when they tell us that this is how the police operate with them. Well, if you listened to my first episode in the series and you heard me talk about our experiences with Montgomery County cops, well, that was an experience that opened my eyes and changed my perspective a long time ago. But it's still wrong that I didn't believe the stories that I heard until that point, because I didn't question. You see, that's what people in power want from us. They want us not to question their power so they can maintain it. But it's our responsibility to question everything, always. You see, when we allow ourselves to believe that, oh, it's nothing, oh, it's not that big a deal, oh, it can't be that bad, and just dismiss any of these stories out of hand, we are a part of the problem. And the solution is really simple. Believe people. It's as simple. Believe people. Now, we've talked about this before, and we talked about this yesterday. Well, what if that person's a racist? Well, you don't have to listen to violent rhetoric. <sighs> you don't have to tolerate that. But that was yesterday's episode. The fact that we don't listen to our common experience so that we can refrain from being comfortable, from being uncomfortable, is the problem. You know, I have friends tell me that I worry about things that I have no right to worry about, and that I have too much compassion. 
This is where we get the idea of the bleeding heart liberal, and we allow that to become a phrase, a joke, a, a meme, uh, whatever. You know, caring about how other people live, having empathy for how other people live, to me that's a sign of, if I can borrow a phrase, good breeding. You see, if you don't actually care about how other people are treated, then you are part of the problem. And whether you want to see that or not, it's true. Whether you want to believe it or not, it's true. We are not victims of our minds here. It's not easy to question everything that we believe, or to be open to the possibility that we could be wrong. I can tell you it's extremely uncomfortable. I have a lot of friends who are atheists, and I am not an atheist, and it would be a lot easier for me just to say that we can't discuss those issues because I just don't want to have to deal with it anymore. But when they want to talk about it, oh, fine. Fine. And I listen. And I try to listen honestly. And I give my reasons, they give their reasons, and usually none of us have our opinions changed. And on a metaphysical level, like that, meh, it's not that big a deal. Because whether I'm right or they're right, one day we'll know, and, well, we won't be able to tell anybody, so, hmm. <laughs> you know? I mean, it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's just how it is. But when it's something that's measurable, discoverable, you see, we tend to treat everything like it's a religious debate. Well, you have your beliefs, and I have mine. Well, the reason religious beliefs are different from all other kinds of beliefs is they're, for the most part, not testable. We, we can have, and I'm just going to say it the way I feel right now because I just don't feel like sugarcoating anything anymore, we have idiots on both sides who believe that they can argue people out of religion or argue people into religion and believe that logic has anything to do with it, when it's about emotion and narrative, like everything else in the world. You see, as much as we want to pretend that logic controls us, it does not. <sighs> All the people that argued from Descartes to Aristotle to Plato were wrong. It's not an, a tug-of-war between reason, emotion, and will. It's about narrative, story, and comfort. That's actually what drives us in every possible way. The more comfortable a story makes us, the more likely we are to believe it. If I were to tell you that I lived in a country where anybody can go from the bottom of the bottom to the top of the pops, then you want to believe that. I wanted to believe that when I was a kid, and I can point to people that appear to be examples of that. You know, that rags to riches, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, just hustle and you'll get there kind of story. And I can point to a lot more people where that's not true. Because it's a good story, and it may be a story that maybe you could find a, an individual that works on, but it is not true of the system. But it empowers the system to continue as it is, because 
Well, as long as I have hopes that I might win the lottery one day, why would I want to do anything to risk that? I've talked before about how we have to interrogate who our stories work for. But before we even get to that, or as we're doing that, we need to ask ourselves exactly how much of this story am I telling myself just to feel comfortable? See, I like to believe that I'm safe from the coronavirus because, well, I work for myself, I work out of the house, and I haven't really gone out anywhere since March. It's a beautiful lie. We own a restaurant. My husband goes in almost every day, and we have to get groceries and everything else, and so there's always a chance that it could get in here. In fact, there's a very good chance that we already had it and had a mild case of it and just don't know. And maybe that's the story I should go with, because maybe that makes me feel better, because I can pretend that I have some kind of immunity, even though we don't know if it allows for that or not. You see, that is a story I like to tell myself, because it makes me feel good. Does it do harm? See, very important test to put in any of our stories. Does it do harm? Well, not really, because I'm still washing my hands religiously and still having to put lotion on them so they don't crack and fall off like the skin wants to from washing my hands as much as I'm doing. I even be doing that too much. We're social distancing. We're wearing our masks. We're trying to be as responsible as we can possibly be in a state that's not being responsible at all. But it's not harmful for me to tell myself those stories, whether or not they're true. Because it's not stopping me from doing the right things. If you're telling yourself a story that's allowing others to come to harm, that's not acceptable. And it's an easy test to make. Whether or not you believe that systematic racism is a thing, what damage does it do to other people's lives if it is? You see, if it isn't a thing, if those who believe that systematic racism is just something that other people made up, then actually investigating our system, interrogating our system, and reforming our system in ways to eradicate it will, in the end, result in no change. Things will maintain the status quo and no harm done. If we're right, and systematic racism is a thing, and we do everything in our power to eradicate it, and do the reforms, and find things that need to be changed, and things get better, then we're better off. So what's the point in fighting the reform? I'm serious. What, what's the point? What's the purpose? Other than maintaining your sense of comfort. If there's nothing to find there's nothing to find. So why wouldn't you let us look? And I use that point of arguing because that's what we hear all the time with the Benghazi and all of that crap. The QAnon stuff, right? If you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to worry about. Well, 
I'm not even going to try to dismantle that kind of argument. I'm just going to throw it right back at you. Because it's part of that narrative. If you really think everything is perfect, then auditing the system will prove that everything's perfect. No harm, no foul. Let us do the check. But more than anything, please ask yourself if any of your beliefs, any of them, have the potential of doing harm. And if so, should you still have them? And I don't just mean like theoretical harm. I'm saying like legitimate harm. You can believe that the police are perfect. That's fine. That's a wonderful belief. But to say, I believe the police are perfect and therefore we shouldn't look at the police to find out if they're perfect. You see, that's where it falls apart. That's where it doesn't work anymore. That's where the narrative becomes harmful. Well, if you're right and they're perfect, then when we look into them, we will discover their perfection and be converted. If we're right and you're wrong, then you have to face this horrible, uncomfortable feeling of realizing you were wrong and nobody wants to be wrong. And that's why you don't want to question the narrative. Question everything. That's what makes the world a better place. Thank you for listening. I hope you got something out of this. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, short keep it clean, so I use it on the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I'm CE Dorset on both. And you can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. Yeah. If you've got a book you can pass my way, down in the show notes, you'll find a link to both my Patreon and listener support. Thank you to everybody who already does that. And if you don't have any money right now or you don't feel like giving, that's all right. But if you like anything that I do, please share it. That helps out more than you know. A lot going on. Until next time, stay well, stay safe, and don't forget to have the fun. Bye.